Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. I am Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, come and join us over here. Get access to this like-minded group of individuals. You can download the Facebook-like mobile application or hop on the website and communicate with people. It operates just like Facebook, folks. There's groups in there. You can share information, talk to people. It's a great place to hang out when you are bored. You can watch the ad-free video version of the Dustin Gold Standard and the Thomas Paine podcast in there. Check out the Hot Wire. That's the highest level tier. You can join that, get access to Mike's uh, highest level of intelligence. I think he's got one coming out. Uh, in the next day or two, all about the supply chain shortages coming, uh, how they kicked that into gear back in 2018. It's going to be quite interesting. Uh, Wide Awake Jim has been on the hot wire several times. It's just a great place to pick up intelligence that you can use in your personal life. And that's what we're doing over here, too. All this stuff that I am giving you is going to help you figure out what is coming in the future so you could better plan for it, folks. And we've got a series of solution shows we're putting together. Uh, we're going to wait until Wide Awake Jim finishes up his series and I finish up on CBDC before we do that because we want to be able to build the solutions uh, around how we're going to deal with this new total control system that's coming, how we can work around that. All right, what I want to do now, because you should have an understanding of how the original technocracy plans, the energy certificate, plays into the CBD system they're building. So I'm going to jump back to the article that we ended on yesterday at forecast.news. That's F-O-R-K-A-S-T dot news. I want to finish this up. And then I'm going to move forward. I haven't decided yet which direction I'm going to go in. I have a bunch of stuff we need to review on the Consensus website. That's the company owned by Joe Lubin, co-founder of Ethereum. Uh, we have some white papers we have to look at. But there was also an announcement a couple of weeks ago on a number of companies launching the CBDC test system here in the United States. So I do want to cover that because it is a pressing matter. So what I might do is get into that first in the next segment, and then we'll go into consensus. But I want to finish this up because we're just learning about all the different pieces that make up this control system, all the different methodologies, the technologies, the players that go behind it. I am going to teach you a little bit about stablecoin, which comes up in conversation. I might do that tomorrow in episode 99. So let's take a look at this. Uh, just as a refresher, 
The article was called, What's in DeFi's Future and What Does It Mean for Traditional Banks? DeFi, D-E-F-I, is Decentralized Finance. And the uh, subtitle was, Will DeFi Replace Centralized Finance? So DeFi, um, Decentralized Finance, is always shortened to capital D, lowercase e, uppercase F, lowercase I, like Wi-Fi, but it's DeFi. And then centralized finance is always CFI, so C-E-F-I. So will DeFi replace CFI, and how might regulators respond? An all-star panel with leaders from SEC, that's Security and Exchange Commission, World Economic Forum, Consensus, and USDC. That's a U.S.-based stablecoin, okay? And again, we'll, we'll get into it. Maybe I'll show you what stablecoins are are next just so you have an understanding but this is a good article again if you want to listen to the first half of this go to episode 97 and have a listen because this kind of lays a foundation for what we're about to talk about again i'm trying to walk you through this in layman's terms so you have a wide understanding of central bank digital currency and as we get into the nitty-gritty and i show you some of the technology and the technology companies behind this, we won't have to stop every two seconds and explain every term. All right, so there is a method to my madness, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so here we're talking about this gentleman named Hester Pierce. He's a panelist on this uh, commission here. And it says he's a commissioner on the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission, SEC. And he's talking about how if the central banks and the technologists get into an area where it looks like there's going to be sort of securities created, then the SEC is going to have to step in. And as I explained yesterday, what's happening is you have all of these various folks who operate in the current system, the current financial system, from the government bureaucrats, the regulators people like this guy Hester Pierce and then you have technologists uh, coming out of companies like Visa as we reviewed yesterday and so they're all vying for power in this new system so in an ideal system the uh, end user you and I the consumer would have let's say an app or a grain of sand embedded uh, sorry a grain of rice embedded in our hand and every time we're exchanging money back and forth it's going through the clearinghouse of the central bank and so there would be no middlemen in between. But what it looks like to me, based on my research, that system itself is going to be quite complicated. As Wide Awake Jim would say, there's over 100 countries they need to wire into this. Each country has its own government, its own laws, its own regulations, its own culture. And so the adoption is going to take quite a long time. But what I'm finding in the research that I'm doing is companies like Consensus want to become the connective tissue between the central bank and the consumer and find a seat at the table for all the current companies like Visa and these guys that are involved with this financial infrastructure and figure out how to fuse that whole system together. And this way, all the current people that are making money off the current financial grift will be allowed to continue to make money. And to me, if I was orchestrating this entire system, I would probably do that. Now, it's not like the CEO of 
Visa and these other companies, Citibank and such, they're already on the take. They're controlled by people like Larry Fink through BlackRock. So you have Bank for International Settlements, set the rules. They push it down to BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. They invest inside these major institutions, and then they have a seat at the table as far as the board of directors go, and they could shape policy. It's the millions upon millions of people that are the worker bees that work inside of these companies that they need on board to help implement these systems. So if those people realize that they're going to be pushed out the door because CBDC is just going to interact between the two consumer, let's say the consumer and the merchant, and the central banks in the middle and everyone else is cut out, there might be resistance in moving this plan forward. So instead, you figure out a way to allow the grift to continue or the commissions and the royalties to be paid out to the middlemen. So you give them a seat at the table. And to me, uh, to be able to keep the current infrastructure, I think it allows for faster adoption of CBDC by the consumer and by the merchants, the two people that you need involved in this transaction. And if that's the case, then eventually, once that system is in place, they can then cut out all of the middlemen. Of course, you do realize that every programmer, software engineer in the middle, the worker bees, are all going to be put into this system. those people will not be treated like an elite class. They're not going to be able to get out of this. So this guy, Hester Pierce, has proposed a three-year, quote, safe harbor, end quote, period for token sales to allow crypto entrepreneurs to build their networks without fear of running afoul of securities laws. Pierce said that she's hoping to present, oh, Hester Pierce, sorry, I was saying it was a man, it's a woman, but we're in 2022, folks. You can be a man, you could be a woman. It's uh, fluid. It's fluid. Pierce said that she's hoping to present her proposal to the new SEC chair. You know, uh, let me just ask you a question here. I I might as well interject uh, since I stuck that in there. If uh, someone identifies, if they're born as a biological female but identifies as a male and then wants you to use male pronouns to identify them, can I, even though that person wants to be identified as a male or was born as a biological female, what if my interpretation is fluid? So I could call anyone a man or a woman anytime I want because I interpret them as anything I want because my thinking is just gender fluid. See, this is where stuff gets quite confusing. (laughs) I'm just throwing that in there, folks. All right, here we go. So Hester Pierce said that she's hoping to present her proposal to the new SEC chair and suggest that he pursue something like that. Quote, if not, I'm not wedded to that, but I think we need to provide some clarity for people trying to develop these networks, end quote, she said. So what they're saying there is that they would give this three-year safe harbor period where all the technologists, all the crypto entrepreneurs working to help build this CBD system would not have to worry about being attacked by the Securities and Exchange Commission while they're building the system. And by that time, then they will have all the new regulations in place. It goes on to say, Pierce does not think that there will be uniformity in international regulations given that different countries have different philosophies towards regulation. Quote, in general, where most of the international benefit is, is learning from one another, sharing ideas about how to approach some of these new regulatory challenges, end quote, she said. Remember, speaking from the standpoint of a regulator, of a bureaucrat. Quote, we can be conscious of the limitations of our jurisdiction, 
something that, frankly, the SEC hasn't always done that well, end quote, Pierce said. Quote, we can also do something with the SEC has done in other areas, which is allow for substituted compliance, so that if actors are compliant with their home country's rules, and those rules have sort of the same end objective as ours, we can give deference to those rules, end quote. Panelists also say that governments must be careful not to stifle innovation and point out the need for regulatory coordination. So they're telling the governments not to slow this process down. Quote, international coordination and multi-stakeholder cooperation are critically important, end quote, said Sheila Warren, head of the blockchain and data policy and member of the executive committee at the World Economic Forum. Quote, there is a danger of regulatory fragmentation, and we've already seen some of this in the more, more, more pure cryptocurrency space, end quote. Lubin added, okay, so this is Joseph Lubin, the head of Consensus that's already working with uh, so-called private sector partners and governments. He was the co-founder of Ethereum. Ethereum, again, being sort of founded by Peter Thiel as he funded the incubator stage of Vitalik Buterin's uh, founding of Ethereum. So it's, it's all connects, folks. It's all very... In, um, it's, it's just all connected. It's a huge web, but it's all the same players behind all of this stuff. It goes on to say, uh, so this is Lubin. Regulators should look to regulate uses of the technologies, but not the technology of itself. It is important to note that this disruptive technology is uh, premised on designing I'm sorry, is premised on designing protocols that are essentially self-policing or have protocols police other protocols, end quote. Uh, Centers Puth commanded, uh, commended the United States Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, OCC, for giving greater permission to financial institutions to work with cryptocurrencies. In January, the OCC issued guidance allowing federally chartered banks to participate in blockchains and use stablecoins for payment activities. Quote, opening up on a public blockchains and using stable coins is a great way to facilitate what I think will be an erroneous opportunity for the traditional banking business to engage in the intersection of centralized finance and decentralized finance, end quote, Puth said. Now, remember, as I explained yesterday, there's no such thing as decentralized finance. This is not decentralized. CBDC will be controlled by the central bank. It's not decentralized. That is a flim-flam operation. That is the scam. That is the scheme to claim that this is decentralized. It's anything but. When they have the ability, the authorities issuing the currency, to program the currency to prevent you from buying certain things and only allowing you to buy from certain merchants, that is anything but decentralized. And so they want it to appear that me buying something from you out there, Mike in the audience, Dustin buys something from Mike that's a one-to-one transaction without having to go through Chase Bank or Citibank or go through Visa, it's just me and you with the central bank sitting in the middle. That's not. That is actually more centralized, not decentralized. Quote, what is happening in blockchain and decentralized finance? This is a global phenomenon, end quote, Puth said. Quote, it's not going to slow, and we need the regulatory community to be working 
together to help enable safe applications of the practices that we're all involved with today, end quote. So as you can see here, folks, as you can see, this stuff is being discussed. The leaders in the industry are coming to the table. We're going to look at more of this over the next coming episodes. We're going to review panel discussions, as I mentioned, for the World Economic Forum, International Monetary Fund, Bank for International Settlements, UN Sustainability. We're going to look at all this and start to analyze the discussions that are going on so we can put the pieces together and figure out where they are at with this. When we get back from the break, I just decided I I am going to explain stable coins to you because that is going to come up in the rollout of this CBDC program that a number of these big banks just started, and it's going to come up in the discussions on consensus that I have to get to. So I might as well explain it now to you so you have a solid understanding. So you should understand Ethereum. You should understand the tokens behind Ethereum. You should have a basic understanding of smart contracts and blockchain, and now we'll get into stable coins. And then I'm going to show you what was just rolled out here in the United States. And then we'll move into consensus and start to look at the white papers coming out. Also, yesterday, Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, sent me a Bank for International Settlements document from 2018 that shows that they are, in fact, talking about Ethereum. Uh, Wide Awake Jim did not find this yet. Maria found it. So I'm going to send that over to Wide Awake Jim and then let him continue to look into that information and see what else Bank for International Settlements is doing because I know they are also working along with Joseph Lubin, head of Consensus, which is building the blockchain technology on top of the Ethereum platform for the purpose of bringing together all of the current financial sectors sitting on top of this old infrastructure and building it into the new CBDC infrastructure. It's complicated, but it's not really that complicated, folks. We'll break it down for you when we get back. My name is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.TV. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on Payne.tv slash gold. All right, so folks, you understand now also centralized finance decentralized finance i'll go in and explain that a little more in detail as well as we move forward but there is nothing decentralized about this system whatsoever folks this is just more control they're taking a system they have control over and they are building a technology to have more control more control more centralization all right, so up on the screen now for the video audience over at pain.tv slash gold, I have a website. It's uh, decrypt.co, so that's D-E-C-R-Y-P-T dot C-O. And the last several episodes, I've been making a habit also of having the URL up on the screen. So for those of you who want to go look this stuff up yourself, you can find it. Um, coming in the future... 
We will be adding show notes to episodes, so all the articles I use will be included in show notes over at pain.tv slash gold. It's something we're working on. We're starting to build out a schedule for next year of how I'm going to use my day more efficiently, folks. If I want to fit into the technocracy, I have to be more efficient. Otherwise, I'm going to have to get the brain chip. Uh, No, that won't be happening over here, ladies and gentlemen, not at the gold household. But uh, so I'm at D grip.co and this is an article here from july 2021 uh pretty good it explains this i'm going to try to break it down in layman's terms for you so you'll understand this just add it to your library of terms you know your index as we move forward further into the technocracy and you're trying to understand how all of this works this is what are stable coins and how do you use them Stable coins are cryptocurrencies that claim to be backed by fiat currencies. Unlike cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, their prices remain steady. Again, this is from July 2021, written by Matt Husey and Scott Cipollina. All right, and then it says here, in brief, stable coins are cryptocurrencies, quote, pegged, unquote, to a fiat currency. They can be used as stores of value or units of account as well as in other use cases where volatile cryptocurrencies may be less desirable. Since their inception, cryptocurrencies have been considered particularly volatile investment instruments when it comes to their price. That's led to price jumps and crashes, preventing cryptocurrencies from being used for everyday goods and services in some cases due to the risk for vendors and merchants. Now, let me just give you a prime example of that so you understand it in real terms. All right. If I go to work today and let's say I am doing some consulting, I'm doing some website consulting work. And I say to a client, let's say they're not putting me on contract. So instead of me quoting them and saying, okay, it's going to be $10,000 for your website to get you from point A to point Z, that's going to take me two months to complete. They want to put me on a consulting basis. So let's say uh, they're guaranteeing me, I don't know, three months of consulting with a certain minimum per month. And so I say, okay, I'll do that for whatever, $75 an hour. So let's say today I'm going to do four hours of work for them and I'm going to get $300. Well, with inflation and with deflation and etc., it doesn't bounce that big each day. So if I take $300 today and I know that can buy me, I don't know, a basket of groceries, I know when I get paid at the end of the day tomorrow, I'm generally going to be able to buy a basket of groceries, pretty close to a basket of groceries. Now, in the world we're in today, maybe next week, I only get 90% of that basket of groceries, but it's close, right? Well, what happens with cryptocurrency, let's say, for instance, and I'm going to be upfront with this. I was doing some consulting work on a project a few months ago, right at the beginning of when I launched the show, and I was doing some graphic design work for someone who was launching um, kind of like a, a fantasy, an online fantasy story game. And so they needed some artwork done, and they had owed me, I don't know what it was, like $2,000. And so 
they said to me, oh, um, I don't, they, were, they had an issue transferring some money to a PayPal account. So they said, can I pay you, believe it or not, in Ethereum? And I said, well, I do have a Coinbase wallet that I set up a few years ago. I was playing around with, you know, like $500 in cryptocurrencies, just messing around with it, trying to understand the system. Just uh, total curiosity. And so I said, okay, now here's the problem. So they transfer me right now $2,000 in Ethereum. So $2,000 US dollars worth of Ethereum. At the time, Ethereum was trading around $2,000. So think of, just think of it in simple terms if you don't understand this. Think of Ethereum like Apple stock. So let's say they were transferring me one share of Apple stock uh, that was worth two thousand today. Well, all of a sudden, Apple stock tomorrow could be worth twenty two hundred. That would mean I made out, or it could be worth fifteen hundred, meaning I was in trouble. So they transferred two thousand dollars of Ethereum to me, and then what I did was I cashed it out immediately. I didn't want it sitting in a crypto wallet. I just turned it into U.S. dollars and transferred it to my bank account because for me, the two thousand dollars was going to buy groceries and pay bills here at my house. I wasn't keeping it as an investment. Well, in a matter of minutes, that 2000 could become 1800 could become 1700 That's how volatile it is. So that way you have an understanding here of what they're talking about. You go and you get paid in uh, Ethereum, $2,000, and you wait 20 minutes to go cash it out and turn it into U.S. dollars if you need to pay you know, your rent or your mortgage in uh, next week. You need the cash. All of a sudden, you look in there and you go, oh, my God, the $2,000 worth of Ethereum I got is worth $1,500. Now what? All right, so that's what they're talking about. So they're saying here that stable coins are tied to fiat currency so they remain uh, less volatile. So it says here that's where stable coins come in. The theory goes if you create a currency that is pegged or attached to a regular fiat currency like the US dollar or something else with a relatively stable price, it will prevent price swings. We explore these more below. So it says, what is a stablecoin? Stablecoins are cryptocurrencies that claim to be backed by fiat currencies, dollars, pounds, shekels, rubles, etc. The idea is that unlike cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, stablecoins, prices remain steady in accordance with whichever fiat currency backs them. Stable coins are used as stores of value or units of account, as well as in other use cases where volatile cryptocurrencies may be less desirable. Different stable coins use different strategies to achieve price stability. Some are centralized, others are decentralized. What are some examples of stable coins? So this is about centralized stable coins. So it says Tether, USDT. Tether is one of the first stable coins and the most famous. It claims it is backed by a reserve of real dollars. That would be collateral. That is, quote, off-chain, end quote. For example, in a real-world location that is controlled by a centralized third party. So that would be like, I don't know, you launch Tether, uh, and in your backyard you have a warehouse that is a giant safe, and you have $20 million of U.S. cash sitting in there. And that's supposedly what's backing the dollar. Similar, or backing the stablecoin. 
similar to how the U.S. dollar used to be supposedly backed by gold, that it was tied directly to gold, and there was all this gold in Fort Knox, and every time they printed these U.S. dollars, they were tied to how much gold was sitting there in Fort Knox. Same principle. It says, what... um. With this stash safely in the vault of a bank, investors can be confident that their tethers really are worth $1 each, keeping the price steady. The stablecoin accounts for a whopping 48% of all cryptocurrency trading volume. There's only one problem. Tether LTD, which mints Tether tokens, has never conclusively proven that the currency really is fully backed, fueling doubts among investors. And it's going to get into more on this below. So that's very similar to when uh, Congressman Ron Paul is asked to audit the Fed. Congressmen have tried to go into Fort Knox and look at the gold, but no one's actually seen the gold. So is the U.S. dollar actually tied to this reserve of gold? Well, no, because no one's ever seen the gold. So it's all imaginary. It's all imaginary. And so that's the issue right here. Where is this stash of cash that this company Tether LTD supposedly has that is actually sitting there in a vault in a safe somewhere backing their tether so let's say for instance they mint and think of minting very similar to printing dollars so let's say you turned on a printing press and you printed one million one dollar bills and sitting in a safe was one million dollars worth of gold and then you distribute these $1 bills and it's backed by the gold. So in Tether's case, what they're saying is, let's say they mint 1 million tokens. These are digital tokens, not coins that you carry in your pocket. So think of them like paper money or like a, a, a coin, but it's digital. They print 1 million tokens. They're supposed to have $1 million. Is each token is worth the equivalent of about 1 million, or sorry, one single US dollar. They're supposed to have one million dollars sitting in a in a safe somewhere all right you understand that i hope you do folks let that just sink in for a minute we're understanding stable coins here because this is all going to come into play with how cbdc supposedly works it's a giant huge system no one's going to ever understand it all that's the purpose people like me will not understand it all you will never understand it all but we can have a basic understanding of how this system works and within it all the grifts and the scams and the schemes to bring forward this total system of control that is what is going to happen that is the purpose a system of control to control the means of production and the distribution of the goods and the services ladies and gentlemen i'll be right back with the goods and services right here on the dust and gold standard you are listening to dust and gold and this is pain.tv slash gold you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. 